Well, that's what I'm saying. Shouldn't we negotiate about this before <laughs> well, we get okay. all roughshod over yeah, there? Okay. 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 I'm a queen. Kill Ian Scabby. I have an entire Poisoning. dowry. Wait, I know a guy. Wait, I know a guy. He's know the guy, king. He, guy, he, guy, he guy. has a lot of money. Oh. Okay. Well, how much money? Uh, at least oh, one gold. How much money? How much? How much money do you think uh, could go missing before the king would? At miss least it? a gold. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we tangle with tangrams when we break out show and tile. Next, we learn that even small bucolic medieval hamlets had plenty of opportunities for treachery in King's Struggle. And lastly, who will be the first to unearth the hidden words in the classic game, Probe? I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein. The higher, the fewer. Hi, I'm Ed Povolitis, and the Tangram is a dissection puzzle consisting of seven flat shapes. Hi, I'm Joe Unfrieden. Let's all make 2019 a great year for great games. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, but some people call me Leroy Jenkins. Was that you? I didn't know that. Oh, oh I didn't know that was you. That's a 20-year-old mystery solved right there. <laughs> hey, Mike. Do you know what you can now do with your smartphone? Can I jack my brain directly into it and instantly learn Kung Fu? <laughs> Not yet. But what you can do now is leave us a rating or a review somewhere on social media or a podcaster. Every review raises awareness about the show. So if you get a second, please help us grow with a like or a heart or a star. Uh, or if you have a whole minute, please leave us a review. I guess that's just as cool. Thanks. Our first game up this week is Show and Tile, designed by Isaac Shalev and Matt Loomis, published by Jellybean in 2018, number of players 3 to 6, ages 8 and up, runtime 30 minutes. First impressions, Joe, let's start with you. I've always loved Tangrams. It's hard for me not to like a game that uses them. Evan? Is that a clown or an elf? Oh, it's a beaver. It's a beaver, not elf on a shelf. Ed? To Tangram or not to Tangram? That is the question. A game that gives you only triangles and squares, Tangrams, to make pictures <laughs> leaves everyone hoping to draw the card that says, make a house. But before the conversation takes shape, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. Show and Tile is a party game where each player takes two sets of Tangram tiles, picks a word, and starts building. At the end of 90 seconds, put your tiles down, flip over the timer, and you have 90 seconds to guess everyone's word on your score pad. You score one point for each correct guess, two points if anyone guessed your word correctly, or three points if you picked a harder star word. Ooh. After four rounds, the player with the most points wins. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that is the game. It's about as simple to get. So guys... Each pe person got a set of tiles with two colors. One on one color on one side, one color on the other side. What did you guys think of that? I loved it because it eliminated confusion about whose tiles were whose. And I loved it because I actually got to choose my 
colors instead of somebody else choosing my colors for me. Yeah, I mm-hmm. happen to be out of the room for a second, uh, and somebody decided to choose red and green for me. Merry Christmas. Awful. <laughs> so it not only had the problem of everything looking like some kind of Christmas clue, but also I hate those two colors together. Well, you got, you got up for a second. You disappeared like the ghost of Christmas Tangram. <laughs> But the colors did come in handy, having two different colors to use for the pictures. Sometimes you can use that to your advantage. Yeah, I, I like having another color because it allowed me to highlight something. One of the problems I found with only having two colors is if you had to make something that, let's say, an animal, uh, and you had green, and like green and some other color, like blue. Purple. And you chose, yeah, green and purple. And you chose green, but the animal was gray. People's brains automatically went to green animals. Yeah, so, Joe made mm-hmm. a great rhinoceros, but I saw a turtle. Yeah, exactly. So so the colors can sometimes work against you if you just don't have the right ones to show what you want. I suggest going far afield of any color that it could be confused for if you can do that. Or avoid animals. Or <laughs> choose a different clue. Yeah, but yeah. you could also remember that people only have two colors to work with. So right, right. Yeah. yeah, it's just hard to keep in mind. You know, it's it's something you do have to focus on because otherwise everything looks like a Christmas clue. <laughs> like yeah. in, in Mike's poor Mike's case. <laughs> you got like ninety seconds to figure out what each of the other puzzles are. So you're like, uh it's that. Yep. Next. Yeah, you, you just have to go with your gut and go fast. <laughs> Mike's Christmas beaver. That was the best. <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> Best. People should check out Mike's Christmas Beaver on our Instagram. <laughs> it is not as adult as it sounds. <laughs> well, he, he used both colors. I mean. Uh-huh. Well, because I was, okay, so it was a beaver and I was trying to make the teeth stand out as the important part. So I made them a different color than the rest of the beaver. I thought that would help, but apparently it made it worse. Go look at the picture, and if your brain doesn't instantly and automatically see an elf, then you are a unique person indeed. One of the problems I have with a game like this is, like, I have this little psychological tick which doesn't allow me to put things precariously balanced on top of each other. And sometimes if you're trying to make, you know, smooth angles, it's easier to stack a bunch of triangles on top of each other to make, like, a curve or whatever. But for me, oh my god, I just, my brain was like, no, they must lay flush. I'm such a bad drawer, and I immediately went for the stacking. However, these components, the the pieces that you're given are made of cardboard, but whatever coating is on them was so slippery that I spent most of my time trying to keep my picture from slipping as I stacked. I mean, that coating may be necessary to stop the cardboard from you know, starting to fray apart at the corner. Nonsense. Well, I thought it was this way, so I put factory. Of course, it is a ball. It's a ball. Oh, oh, ball. Too hard. I was trying to, yeah. trying to highlight the two That's ones. tough. That's oh, tough. that's a shame. But I had factory, so mine is equally wrong and yes. upside down. Okay. By the way, I had awesome smokestacks. Awesome smokestacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's, it's a nice glossy coat, and the cardboard are pretty decent, athlete. It's decent quality, but part of the requirement is that once you're done with your picture, you turn it around for the other players to see it. Yes. So it it can shift while you're turning it towards them, and your rhinoceros can quickly turn into a giraffe. Yeah, actually, I didn't do all that much stacking on my stuff, because the normal Tangram puzzle is just putting the pieces next to each other. Oh, well, excuse me, Mr. Tangram purist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, I didn't have to stack them, that's all. So I didn't encounter the same problems you did. 
Yeah, I dealt with limited stacking. <laughs> I had no choice but to stack. I mean, I simply cannot put shapes together to make pictures. Well, it made an excellent volcano when you stacked them up to make it look like a mountain, though. Yeah, so. it did. You did a great yeah. job with that. I thought it was a snail, but whatever. Here's a tip. It's easy to make a volcano when you're given triangles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. My strategy was to make the shapes that gave me the least difficult time to build. Of the six words, on the two cards, you get three words per card. I chose of those six words the most basic, simple shape I could uh, that I thought I could that I could build, and it worked. I took the opposite strategy, which was terrible. Choosing animals is always really hard because they all look like each other <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> all right, so Mikey obviously has an elf. <laughs> I, I actually picked Elf off the Oh, crap. No. Uh, Evan chose Clown. <laughs> yes, Clown was close. That was a close second. Right, what do you think Mikey would, Joe? I thought it, I, I said Elf. Oh, yeah. I, sorry, I made the perfect Elf. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a beaver with the two teeth. Oh. And the nose. <laughs> with the hat. And the Take a picture of that beaver. Take a picture of that beaver. I got to take a picture. That's pretty good. Oh, wow. It is a terrible beaver. Yes, it's very bad. It is an awesome elf. <laughs> and, didn't you, and didn't you go for the Star Wars every time? I went for the Star Wars every single time. Because, yeah. I, you know, I need to have an epic turn. But uh, it made me lose hard. Although my genie was quite genius. Yes. Yeah. And I got it. In fact, I was able to guess at least one of your pictures each among those four rounds. Let's talk about the scoring. That's where I had the most fun, was in the guessing part of this mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. So when, when it was time to, to basically look at everybody's pictures and invent something that that picture, which most of the time didn't look a darn thing like it, was, took a lot of thought. Joe's were great, though, I thought. Yeah, they were. Man. He no, used every were. piece. You were issued 14, no more, of these shapes, and he used 14 in every one that he did. This game did pack a lot of fun and challenge into 30 minutes. By contrast, I used on my last one, two. Two pieces. And I still got it wrong because I said arrow. It looked like an arrow, but it was a house. But I knew. I know my good friend Evan of 20 plus years would yes. not make an arrow with two. He would have used three. You used and I'm telling you, friendship that is advantage, the, yes. That is the advantage. Who wants to guess what mine is? I'm guessing arrow. I ended up going with arrow. Arrow. House, come on. House, come on. Of course it's house. That that would not be Evan's arrow. It just wouldn't. It would be Evan's house. You have to know Evan. It's a house, man. That is a house. (laughs) One thing I thought was really cool, it always felt awesome to have your word correctly guessed. Like, that thing's like one of the cool experiences. Like, yes, they got it. That was far more important to me than any scoring was in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I didn't I didn't even care what my score was. I had a great time just guessing what weird stuff people were trying to make. Yeah, somebody saw a mailbox. Awesome. Oh, I wish I had seen that. It was so obvious, Ed. I can't believe I didn't see that. I've noticed that a lot of people playing games like this are nervous about putting their drawing skills on display. Uh, but most of us remember tangrams from our infancy, and it's a lot less hard to be intimidated by putting the tangrams in order for a picture instead of instead of actually drawing it. I'm the opposite, actually. I'd rather draw than use these shapes. I don't think I ever did stuff like this. <laughs> and uh, boy, oh boy, did I stink at it. I stink at drawing too. So <laughs> let me just let me just clarify. I'd much rather play a word game than a picture game. I remember once when I was a little kid, I actually cut up some rug samples. <laughs> oh my gosh, to make tangrams? Yeah. 
Oh my god! So you had a, a leg up on this one here, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually really good at at making order out of like a chaotic mess. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing a picture where there isn't one. But in this game, forget it. I was awful. I I got like four points total. I think. I like the history behind the uh, Tangram too. I didn't realize that it was actually came to the U.S. back in 1815. Yeah, we didn't have squares and triangles then. <laughs> that was before Pythagoras invented the triangle. What do you mean, Ed? <laughs> the puzzles actually came from China. Oh, tangram puzzles. That's the ones where you have to actually fill in the spaces with the tangram pieces, right? Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury show and tile. Joe? Uh, For such a simple game, there was a good range of pictures assigned by the cards. The bulldozer, the rhino, and the valley were challenging due to time constraint, but it never felt like a chore. So I'm digging this up. Evan? Well, I'm not a huge fan of these guess the shape types of games, but of the ones we've reviewed so far on the show to date, this one definitely yielded the most fun. So in that context, I will dig it up. Mike, how about you? It's an exercise that I think will help me flex my creative thinking and maybe get over some hangups I have over precariously balanced objects. So I will dig this up. Therapeutic. It is. (laughs) Ed, how about you? Like Evan, I'm not all that big on the Pictionary type of game, but this was a fun game, and it can be played with just about anyone. And learning about Tangram is a cool bonus, so dig it up. And because there is room on my quick games to play with kids shelf, I will dig this up. Ed, where can you find it? Show and Tile is generally available at your hobby stores and online. Retail for about 25 bucks. If you have thoughts about show and tile, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is King's Struggle, designed by Robert Burke, published by WizKids in 2018, number of players 3 to 6, ages 14 and up, runtime 30 minutes. Okay, first impressions. Mike, let's start with you. I was very excited to see the power of the peasant. Joe? This game plays fast and it's simple to learn, but the strategy's very complex. And bring your memory. Ed? It was funny to see my assassin win around as a number three with only ones and twos on the table. Evan? Negotiations, bargaining, and forward thinking strategies are the key of this game. At first glance, this game looked a little bit love letter and a little bit five crowns to me. But before we find out if it was so much more, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. King's Struggle is a negotiation-focused card game with elements of trick-taking and set collection. The game is mechanically simple, with each player playing just one card per round, and each game lasting only seven rounds. Over the course of these seven rounds, players vie to win cards and earn gold through various means, which will score the victory points required to win. Now this sounds simple, but what makes King's Struggle special are the unique card abilities that have been crafted to drive negotiation. The ability of a card you've played can be activated on your turn or not. It's up to you. Just remember, your action or inaction is for sale. Analyzing who has the most to win or the most to lose from your current ability and leveraging it to your maximum benefit is the name of the game. You must learn to play the players more than you learn to play the game. That's a good point. A lot of this was dependent on the personalities at the table. That's why I was looking forward to playing the peasant. It wins the round if nobody else played any other serfs. 
the first card you play is revealed to everybody and then they play off of that. So if you play that first, everybody has to wonder if somebody else is going to play a surf or not because they don't want you to win the round. So you so in different crowds, it'll have different reactions. Like some crowds might say, well, I'm going to play the surf and other people might be greedy and be like, let somebody else play the surf instead of me. So I wanted to see how this group reacted to that. And what happened, Mike? Well, everybody played a surf. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Twos and threes. Yeah, all low cards. Yep. But there were only surfs on the table. So that's it. The highest surf wins and no actions required. And that swept up that round, took a bunch of cards out of play. Important cards. Those surfs are no joke. That, that's why I thought it was kind of funny that the assassin actually won that round. And Athlon didn't kill anybody because uh, he didn't have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the assassin wanted his day off. <laughs> <laughs> he woke up that morning and said, what happened? Huh? <laughs> I won? Yeah, because the assassin's only a number three. So, you know, he's the he's the highest of the serfs, but he's like one of the lowest cards in the game. But he right. also can't, he can't kill serfs. He can only kill merchants and royals. That's the point, right. He walked in and threatened them all and then just took them all with him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you, when you win a round, you take all the cards that are left on the table, too, and those make up sets that you get extra points with at the end of the game. Books or runs. So you can go two, three, four, or two, 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 for example. Which is good. And the bidding, what I found very interesting and at the same time difficult to adjust to was that the coins that you get, which is what you negotiate with, are as valuable at the end as the cards you have. So having them equal was tricky for me because I wanted to use them to bid, but you had to sort of think about what you were going to have at the end. It was a it was a tough balance. However, I think it's an important balance because otherwise I do believe card counters would run away with this game. It's nice that it's a direct translation though, one to one so that you can kind of say I'm losing three victory points when I pay for this card, but I'm gaining five by making this book or run. It, it, may, it makes the math very simple. I'd like to explain that everybody starts with the same hand. Everybody starts with a one through 10. It's the exact same set of cards for everybody. The identical decks. Unless we're playing with imperfect information. Now, I think that's an interesting game option in there. And we didn't do that, but maybe that, I don't know. We should maybe go back one day and play it with that, because that is a very interesting option, which you have to discard randomly two of the cards from your hand. And you really can't, I mean, it really throws card counting out the window at that point. Right. I mean, the thing I don't like about that, though, is that everybody doesn't start equally that way. You know, somebody might discard their two of their royals or somebody might get rid of, you know, two of their most powerful cards. It's a random toss. But 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 Mike, I think what happened, though, is that the way they weighted the powers of these cards, you know, some of these serfs were as powerful, in fact, in some cases, more powerful than either merchants or royals. It's all pretty situational. And I know Mm -hmm. that it looks like they tried to balance it that the lowest numbered cards have the most power and vice versa. Um, I don't think they perfectly did that. Obviously, it's almost impossible to do that, especially considering that the number of players affects the power of each card because yeah. some cards will yield you a coin per player that does X. Or if two cards are out at the same time of the same value, they're both eliminated. So the more players you have, the easier it is for those things to occur. Sure. And uh, another thing that I had 
trouble adjusting to, but I think is good for the game, is that the value of the card, for example, a king is 10 and a surf is 2, the value of the card only had meaning within play, not for counting it as a victory point. When it came to having cards as victory points, it was just one card equals one point. It didn't matter if it was a 10 or a 2. That, I think that also helped uh, keep the game balanced, because otherwise having the, the king would be too powerful, I think. There is no one card to rule them all in this game. Yeah, it would narrow the strategy a bit because everyone would start shooting for the higher cards. And It is harder to get the higher cards, though. I yeah. mean, you know, it's harder for you to take a king because you need help to take a king. Right, the king had um, no abilities. I, don't know. I never played a king in my game. I didn't either. The, the three cards I was left with in my hand were the 10, the 9, and the 8. I found the art superficially medieval, but it was surprisingly egalitarian in a sneaky kind of way. And it it reminded me of Love Letter because the art doesn't particularly show whether or not it's actually good to be the king. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the king didn't look super happy. No, no. (laughs) He looked equally happy as the peasant. Yeah. The artist, Weberson Santiago, is a pretty popular game artist, and he definitely evokes an atmosphere here. Uh, My only issue with it, with these cards and the art on them, um, was that a few of the cards were too similar looking, especially in the merchant class. So I had trouble seeing it across the table, whether it was the Cooper or the Cobbler. And another problem was that the font that they chose to write the names of the cards in was hard to read. To the artist's credit, he did go out of his way to show the merchant's trade in the art. The Cooper had a barrel and the Cobbler had shoes. Well, I think what they should have done is I think the confusion between the Cooper and the uh, Cobbler, uh, they had a more distinctive color between what they were wearing. Yeah, the Cobbler should have been peach. The Cobbler should have been peach. And they're both in the exact same profile as well. Uh, those were the two toughest ones. The rest were pretty good. I What I did like was the distinctive background color of each yes, class. Yeah, that was excellent. So merchants were in green, peasants were in brown, and royals were in purple. So right away you knew what class you were dealing with, and that was helpful. So it was one of the biggest delights of the game for me was watching Evan, the ever-conflict-averse, Looking for ways to negotiate without upsetting other people. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm going to tell you is a virtually fruitless effort. Oh, yeah. Now, we all know it's not binding, but it is a test for Mike. It is a test. Then we know we can never trust him again. (laughs) It's going to make his negotiating. I don't need a test to know that. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to make his negotiating ability almost useless. And that's actually worth it for me to pay a goal to find out whether he's truthful or not. Yeah, it's one of those games where you just kind of have to piss some people off, unfortunately. Yeah, you really don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, by making somebody happy, you're going to anger somebody else in this game, which is great. Yeah, I think a big part of it is knowing well, when to, to make that negotiation and when to just step out of it because you're not going to get the best out of anything anyway. You said I'll do it. Three, three. You're going to make new game. Oh, I right say there? lots of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how you just threw your prior... But my deal with you is non-binding because it's not my turn yet. Oh, that's true. I can only negotiate with Ed. I mean, Three. I can... Sorry. I can talk, but I can't... <laughs> Bird in the hand. I can't make a binding deal. Yeah. So you, I could have screwed you later and not right. gave it to you, right? Okay. 
And you did a hell of a job not negotiating with anybody. And in this game, that is a sound strategy. I negotiated with Evan a whole bunch of times. Actually, a couple times to my benefit. I actually got like uh, five gold from uh, Evan. Mm. And I was sitting right next to you. I didn't yep. even notice. Yep. And, um, Smart. Yeah, very sly negotiating, which, you know, uh, definitely was not my forte. I was all about negotiating for money, just like putting out cards that I can use to help other people so they'd give me a, a good amount of money if they wanted to win. And it almost got me over the top. I except know. For, uh, the, I got to double tiebreaker with Ed, and I guess I deserved losing to a double tiebreaker after the San Juan incident. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the famous San Juan incident of 2018? <laughs> One look at this game and you could tell that the battle was going to go to the sly. You know, I think you're right, and this is this is the type of game where I immediately was like, no, no, I need another shot at this. Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury King's Struggle. Ed, how about you? Guessing, bluffing, and negotiation are key, as well as knowing when to pay for those points and when to just save your gold for the next round. Dig her up. And Joe, how about you? I know we've played a lot of card games. Uh, I found the act of directly bartering points with my opponents you know, very tempting, but uh, I bit off more than I could chew <laughs> a few times. <laughs> uh, but the game felt very fresh throughout, so I'm digging it up. Evan, how about you? This card game involved lots of player interaction on every hand through constant negotiations. What's not to love? Dig it up. Mike, how about you? Starting on equal footing in a battle of wits with potential for some truly devious plays is very much in my wheelhouse, so I definitely <laughs> dig this up. <laughs> yeah, lots of activity and fun without too much to keep track of. Just what cards have been played and who's got what money and who has crossed you. Uh -oh. So, <laughs> dig it up. Evan, where can you find it? I happened to pick up this game at a game store at Universal Studios, of all places. Hmm. But it is easily found online and in game stores everywhere. Costs about 20 bucks. If you have thoughts about King's Struggle, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Probe. No designer credits, published by Parker Brothers in 1964. We played the 1976 version. Number of players, two to four. Ages eight and up. Runtime, about an hour. Okay, first impressions. Mike, let's start with you. Well, thankfully, the name really told me absolutely nothing about what happens in this game. <laughs> Evan, how about you? Reminded me of Hangman. Guess one letter at a time and try to guess the word before your opponent does. Ed, how about you? So it's a word game, and it helps to know how to spell. Well, well. <laughs> Joe, how about you? The game's scoring conventions offer substantial rewards for taking calculated risks especially against opponents who are hiding some of the longer words. Yeah. Uh, so the seriously <laughs> dated box in that signature 70s mustard mm -hmm. yellow. Oh, it screams <laughs> mid-70s. With the dark orange bubble script font had me worried. But before we judge a game by its box, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. 
Each player is given a long strip of paper segmented into 12 equal spaces. They write a 12-letter or smaller word down on the sheet of paper, writing dots in any unused spaces, then enclose it into a bright orange long plastic case. Now, a cool bit about the case is that the lid is segmented into 12 individual mini-lids that open and close separately so as to reveal only one letter of your word at a time. At the beginning of each turn, the player draws a card that says if there's a special bonus or detriment that will affect their turn, such as a double score, then the player guesses other players' words one letter at a time. Their turn ends when they guess wrong. The scoring of letters varies based on which one is revealed. All right. (laughs) Probe is the most provocative game of words since the invention of the modern alphabet. And that is all the rules to this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's a drop right there. I mean, <laughs> that was my favorite part of this game, was that each time you opened up a letter, there was a different score amount for that letter. So some letters were worth five, some were worth 10, some were worth 15. And it varied as to where they were in the word too. So when you're choosing a word, you got to be careful at which word you choose because you don't want to put an easy to find letter in a spot that's worth a lot of points probably. Also dot placement is important. You can put dots in the front or the end. If you have a shorter word, you can move that word pretty much anywhere in that 12-letter section and then just put dots elsewhere. Do they get points for the dots, too? Yes, they yes, do. Up they to do. five of them. Right. And if there aren't any dots or all the dots have been revealed, you lose points for guessing it. Whereas you don't lose points for guessing letters, which I thought was a neat mechanic. One of the reasons why I thought I was pretty proud of coming up with a 12-letter word is where somebody said a dot, I'd be, ha, none. that didn't that didn't stop joe did it no (laughs) not not in the least he was unfazed by this oh you're gonna interrupt him guess the word i'm gonna guess it okay this is it it. okay now you understand if you're wrong it's minus 50 yeah architecture (laughs) (laughs) don't hate the player hate the game Any regular listener knows by now, Joe is a word guru and, I don't know, as I like to say it in role-playing terms, spent all his skill points in alphabet. (laughs) So he (laughs) crushed us, as we should have suspected. And the speed with which he guessed these words with minimal letters uncovered was, uh, I don't know, (laughs) mind-boggling. I like that you use the word boggle in that. Joe, you're yeah. destined to win a 50 grand on Wheel of Fortune someday. It's going to happen. Oh, man. He won't even spin the wheel. He'll just yeah. look at the length of the uh, phrase and guess Okay, it. let's start the game. I'd like to solve the puzzle. <laughs> so on our Instagram page, you can see a word that Joe guessed uh, with only a few letters revealed. And I defy anybody else to guess that word <laughs> with that amount of letters shown. I liked how the undersides of your opponent's compartment lids show whatever amount you've just scored for successfully guessing the location of a letter or a dot. And the long paper pads were a nice touch. I liked them better than the you know, letter cards that you know Parker Brothers put in other editions of this game. Yeah, this was definitely, of the four versions of this game that were produced, uh, two in 1964, both with an actual board, totally unnecessary. And then the 1974 version, which was played with cards, this flip-top case was the coolest. And you had one long strip of paper. I mean, it was really hard to lose these things. 
I've got a question. If you're a terrible speller and you spell the word wrong and put it into your little case, what happens? Penalty. Minus 20,000 points. Yeah, it, there, there is. There's a penalty for misspelling your word. Yeah, they thought of that. I think it's 100 points, so minus 100. Whoa. Yeah, because nobody could possibly guess it, Yeah, right? If it's spelled And Mike, wrong. I know you love this. You can go into the negative with your score here. No! <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you could, you know, just Google the spelling. Not in 1976, you couldn't. No, you had to go over to, to the bookshelf <laughs> and pull off your grandfather's dictionary. And... Right, you'd walk over to your mahogany bookcase and <laughs> dust off the giant... Di- Actually, you wouldn't be dusting it off because that dictionary got mega use. It did. Yeah, that was the most used book on the shelf, actually. So what do you guys think about the uh, the card deck? It was a little odd and random, but it does serve to mix up the game, I guess. Oh, Ed, I blocked it out. It was so bad. Thank you for bringing it up. I had actually mentally blocked out the fact that there's an entire deck of cards you use. <laughs> Which, <laughs> it doesn't even sound necessary, really. It wasn't. It was totally unnecessary, but it does keep the game random. Yeah, it's 100% not necessary and actually detrimental to the quality of this game. Wait, I thought it, I liked it because it was the only way I scored points. I drew cards that said... Take 20 points. Yay. (laughs) Really? There's cards that just give you points? There are cards that give you points. There are cards that take away points. And there are cards that give you five times the value of the next letter you reveal. And there are cards that give you two times the value. And there's cards that give you 10 points. And there's cards that people force them to reveal a dot or a letter. Stupid (laughs) wastes of time that totally get in the way of an otherwise brilliant game. Oh, and then a ton of cards. Here's my favorite part. A ton of cards that say, take a normal turn. Add 25 to my score. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Random love. Now that's how you play this game. (laughs) Where's our 25 point card? Yeah, really. Where's my freaking Quintucky Duck 10 from your (laughs) score? Oh my God. You know what happened? Uh, Here's what happened. So in 1976, the big game card or the game card lobby put pressure on Parker Brothers saying, you will not release a game that does not have some form of cards in there. You'll make a card and we'll make sure you make a card. (laughs) The the point is, it felt like it was forced into this otherwise really good game. You're 100% right, Evan. It was forced because back then games simply had cards and the original game, the original game, which I said looked like Monopoly because I think everything had to look like Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Um, had to have cards or else people would be like, what is it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this is Parker Brothers. They had a formula that worked and they stuck to That's it. That's it. Well, re- remember, I have not been able to, I mean, correct me if, if anyone else found one, but I was unable to find any designer credit for this game, which means it was a corporate project. Oh, yeah. Which right. means it was probably designed by a committee. Which is not a great way to design a game, to be honest. No, no. But they lucked, I think they lucked out on this one. As brilliant as the unique scoring style is, is as dumb as the card system is. (laughs) It really was. (laughs) I honestly think that this game can exist on the scoring system alone. It makes it a good game. And if you took the cards out, this is a really great game. The art on the board, though? Man, it's so 70s. Yeah, you should see the 60s boxes where they have oh, people sti- sitting around the board in the classic chin, hand-on-chin thinking pose. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Was the 60s like the age of like the more different colors you could cram onto the board, the better? I think it was the age of, yeah, yellow, pink, and brown together. Yeah. 
And Evan, you could mail the company if you had questions. That is right. The last <laughs> instruction on the instruction booklet to or leaflet says, if you have any questions, write <laughs> right, Parker Brothers, uh, Salem, Massachusetts, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> a division of General Mills Fun Group, Inc. <laughs> what? Yep. Like the cereal company? Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's some big guns making that game. Apparently had their hand <laughs> in games, board games at one time. Yeah. Okay. Time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Probe. Ed, how about you? Well, I'm not really good at word games, and this deck is a little bit more random than I might have liked. And despite that I was waylaid and left in a dish while playing this game, I did have fun. So dig it up. <laughs> Joe, how about you? I'm digging this up because I crushed them all. Like little <laughs> As was expected. Evan, how about you? Well, despite the random card wackiness, I'll dig it up. It was still fun. But beware playing with Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, how about you? Well, sadly, I didn't play this with you guys, but uh, so I'll withhold judgment, but I'm definitely looking forward to giving it a run. Yeah, uh, play without the cards, and then it's an awesome game. Dig it up. Uh, I got my copy at the local secondhand shop for two bucks. All right. But I I have seen this version going online from anywhere from $10 to $100. Whoa. What? So if you sell this game, you can make five to 50 times your money. Woohoo. Wow. Sounds like one of the cards <laughs> that came with the game. <laughs> <laughs> Times wow. 50. Yeah. Celeste, the game that comes without the cards is 100 bucks. The game that comes with the cards, 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> if you have thoughts about Probe, we are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes, for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter Today. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcaster. It really helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server. We are at Which Game First, and our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers! Happy gaming. Good night. Looking forward to another year of gaming with you all. Yeah. Why does this matter? Favorite artwork? Favorite artwork? Oh, we were supposed to put that down? Is yeah, that, now that we're done, we can do our game. favorite artwork. So what well, is it? Does that count for points? No, it's just for fun. Oh, it's straight up that elf. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it was a clown. 100%. It was a clown. That elf. It was a beaver. Just say it a beaver. It was a beaver. <laughs> it was a beaver.